Welcome to Black Fashion History, the podcast that celebrates the contributions of Black people all around the world to the fashion industry. It's Black History, but make it fashion. And I'm your host, Taniqua Russ. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to your favorite podcast. And today I am so excited, as I am every single week, to share with you the story of another Black fashion designer. So today we're going to get into a conversation with fashion designer Douglas Says. Now, Douglas Says has well over 20 years of experience in the industry. He is New Jersey's premier designer, but also fashion's best kept secret. And I can't wait for you all to hear his story. He has had an extensive career in both beauty and fashion. And today we're going to get into how he got started, what some of his most memorable moments are, and what he hopes to accomplish next. Now let's get into it. Well, I want to start off with just with that's better. Yeah, that works, and then we can see your hair. Yeah, and and it's it's far enough away that you ain't seeing all the imperfections. (laughs) You know? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm with you now. Go ahead. Okay, so how did you begin your career in fashion? Like, was it someone specifically, or something that kind of inspired you, or was the the shooting point for you starting your career? Um. That's that's really easy for me. Like I, I remember as a little boy, right? Um, I remember as a little boy playing with my sister's dolls, right? Making them clothes and doing their hair, you know, stuff like that. Um, my mother never discouraged me, you know, um, as long as I was quiet. And what she would later say many, many, many years later, is, as long as my son is happy, then it's nobody's business, right? But... Um, I had a cousin, an older cousin, two, I, I, my family is very close. My, mm-hmm. my mother's sisters and brothers to, to us, you know, her children and my cousins and stuff. But um, I had two cousins that I looked at as a little boy. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't know because as a little boy, I don't know that they're my role models, but I wanted to be like them, right? One was um, a drag queen. And, um, and, and, and I'm not being PC, politically correct, because that's what it was called in that time, right? And um, so from my cousin, my cousin's name was Willie Hinton Jr., right? But we called him Puddawink, and then his drag name was Liji. So Liji Wong. <clears throat> so looking at my cousin Liji, my cousin was doing like walking in balls competitions, and this is like the late 60s, right? In the early 70s, my, my cousin was walking in balls, bringing trophies home. You know, there was always eyelashes and makeup and hair. And like every time you hug my cousin, you got foundation. Because <laughs> back then they weren't really using powder. You know, it was just liquid foundation. So there was foundation everywhere. Right. But um, but that's who my cousin could draw. My cousin could sew. My cousin could do hair. And I wanted to do all of that. So that was my you know, my, um, my role model, my other cousin, um, he dressed very well. He was always in, always in fashion and he loved music. So from him, I got my love of music, jazz. He taught me like, he would just be like, Doug, come here, come here, listen to this, listen to this. I don't know what I'm listening to, but I'm listening to Bobby Humphrey and I'm listening to Randy Crawford and I'm listening to Gene Karn and, um, you know, just tons of people that later, 
when I got older, I went and bought those same things that he used to make me listen to. So, you know, seeing your cousins and then being able to like play with your sister's dolls and sew for them and dress them up, whatever. Uh, at what point did you say, okay, I think I'm gonna pursue this as a profession versus, um, you know, something that you just did, you know, as a hobby as a child? Wow, I don't know. That's a good question, kind of, sort of, because I don't know. I guess, I guess I had to say one day, you know, I'm going to pursue this. As a right. Um, I don't know. I, I say that um, fashion saved my life, you know, mm-hmm. and I say that because at a younger age, like, you know, when I got to be older, I, I have a brother, you know, one. So I'm the oldest of, of my mother's five children. And then there's my brother and then three sisters. But my mother actually raised seven because she took her okay. sisters to children right so um running behind my brother you know uh because he was always you know tough bad always into something you know um but i'm you know trying to keep up with him even though i'm the oldest but i'm trying to keep up with him running around and doing you know things that he's doing or trying to stop him from doing things that he's doing um but my my solitude came when I was on my back porch or in my room playing with my dolls, you know? So um, I went from playing with dolls to once I got to high school, I, um, and it's funny because I jump all over the place. This just, I, I, I do. But, you know, it's funny because I realized, what I realized later is that um, everything happens for a reason. And if one thing didn't happen, then it would affect, you know, the future, Right. Right. So, um, you know, when we moved off of 18th Street, which is where we lived in Newark, um, most of my stuff, like my box that I packed to move, because I'm, I'm still young. Like at that point, I'm like probably like 16. And um, so I put all of my stuff in my room in a in a big box. Just no common sense right here. In a, in a, in a big refrigerator box, you know, so a refrigerator came in that box. So I put everything in that box that was mine, right? So the night that we, we moved into the new place and we slept in the new place that night, that first night. So we had to go back to get my box and I don't know, whatever else. But everything, all my art supplies, all my dolls, all my, my, my comic books that I used to draw and I used to make, my paintings, everything was in that box. When we got back to the block that next day, Walking down the street, everything was on the ground, out, just like they had broken to the apartment, just went through everything and just threw everything away. From that point, I never painted again. I never drew another comic book again. I never played with dolls again, you know, but I guess that had to happen for me to grow up. And, you know, because now I'm about to go to high school. Well, I'm in high school at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was a freshman then. So now I'm like going to be a sophomore. So I, I stopped playing with dolls at that point. So probably in my second year in high school, I took a men's tailoring course. And at your like, school? Mm-hmm. At my high they school. just don't make schools like that anymore. <laughs> well, you know, it was a rough school. It was a really rough school. Um, West Side. Matter of fact, our, our motto is Rough Riders. West Side Rough Riders, okay? So, um, you know, so uh, I took a men's tailoring course and I met my now 
best friend. You know, we became, you know, close friends at that time. And, uh, but we were also rivals. So it was like a competition kind of thing. So during that time, we did a lot of fashion shows in the local area, but you had to bring your own clothes. So I started making my clothes from, you know, my men's sterling course. And then like, so our girlfriends were in the show, not girlfriend, girlfriend, but girlfriend, a friend who's a girl, you know? So um, my girlfriend, Rosemary and Yvette and Rosalind, all of these girls were in the show. So you like, you would partner up sometimes and walk with somebody in the show. So you want a matching outfit. So I started making outfits for them. And then it just continued that I started making women's wear and less men's wear. Not that what I was wearing could be called menswear anyway. It was whatever. Uh, it was more costume-ish, you know. But, um, but yeah, then I started doing women's wear, and that continued, you know. That continued doing all the local shows because we used to do lots and lots of shows. Like, come the weekend, we would do um, – do you see that pop-up? Let me get rid of No. Okay. I think it's just on your screen. <laughs> oh, okay. Come the weekend, we would do, like, you know, maybe three, four shows, you know, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday you know, fashion shows. So um, we were like a little troupe, right? So um, in doing that, you're meeting other designers, other models, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm meeting people who are far more advanced than me. And I'm like looking at their work and I'm like, I already have friends who, who I look up to their work, who's around me. And I'm like, oh, wow, my stuff is not like that. I want to be like that, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So eventually I go to school, I go to design school. Uh, I, I try out for FIT, but I don't make it first. And I go to Trap Pagan. Uh, so you decided to go to design school um, to, I guess, become more of an expert based on what you were seeing around town? Right. Okay. Because my, my, a guy who had become like a good friend of mine, Bob Henry, who, who remains um, a source of inspir- inspiration for me, he died. He, he died sadly in the 90s. But him and Ronald Petty, who Ronald Petty worked for Vogue Patterns and, you know, all the pattern companies back in the day. And um, I would, I'm looking at their work and, you know, and they inspired me and they encouraged me to go to school and get, you know, education, you know. So, and that's what I did. So I went to Trapagan. And, you know, I guess at that point, that's when, and that's like, I, I graduated from Trapagan in 83, so, you know, that at that point, I guess I made up my mind to be a designer, mm-hmm. you know, but not really. I, 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 I always had battles with, um, what's the word? I never, I never felt I was good enough, you know? Um, like, I'm looking at Bob, I'm looking at Ronald, I'm looking at, you know, all the other local designers, and I'm thinking, wow, they're great, you know? I'm not, you know? It's, so I always beat myself up with that. And, um, you know, um, yeah, I had to find that kind of, I I can't think of the word right now, Um, but anyway, yeah. Do you still feel that way? Uh, Or do you feel more confident in your skills and at this point in your career? I'm I'm definitely, definitely more confident now. I mean, so much has happened over the years. I mean, I, wow. You know, like I said, you know, if certain things didn't happen, then certain things wouldn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and 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 when you're in the midst of something, you don't even realize it, you know. So, I've encountered like today when I look back at things, or 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 what I'm being um, remembered for, like in the '90s, the ballroom scene. 
a lot of people or, you know, I dressed a lot of the girls, the popular film queens uh, in the ballroom, like Danielle Revlon, Octavia Saint Laurent, uh, Tracy Africa, Anjane, uh, Tine Pendavis, you know, uh, Kelly Cole, um, Sapphire, India, Keisha, Stephanie, you know, I dressed all of these girls. And um, wow. <laughs> I'm laughing because I laugh at myself all the time. But anyway, I'm laughing because, um, again, if certain things didn't happen, certain things wouldn't happen. So how that came about is I was, wow. Um, okay. How that came about, I was working, I had, in 89, I moved out of my mother's house, right? Because, um, I'm not even going to the because, but I moved out of my mother's house. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I had a roommate, a, a, a young lady who, um, we went to school together. We went to Trapagan, which is the design school that, you know, we went, we, we went to, uh, she had a crush on me. She, she, she liked me. Um, she, she missed all the signs. I don't know how, but, um, cause I was real clear, but anyway, so she moved in, we moved in together and, um, I think she thought it was going to be something else or, you know, something <laughs> more or whatever, or she thought that, you know, once I get him alone, I can, you know, whatever, no, didn't happen. Um, and because it didn't happen, whatever, you know, she had in her mind, she got a little bitter and, you know, um, it didn't end well. Our, our living arrangement didn't end well. And towards the end, she decided to move out without telling me she was moving out. Like the night before, I discovered that she was moving, right? So, um, but if that hadn't happened, then the next chapter in my life wouldn't have happened. I had a really good friend named John Kelman Greer, who was a fabulous makeup artist. If I can say this, he was what Sam Fine would become, right? Mm-hmm. It was a prototype, right? So, um, and they knew each other. I met Sam through John, but anyway. So John, you know, we used to hang out, you know, um, just hang out together. And sometimes he would give me jobs because I also do makeup as well, right? Uh, between he and Quiet Fire, are you familiar with Quiet Fire? No, I'm not. Okay. Remember where I leave off when I leave, okay? okay. Quiet Fire was, um, he was a model and then he was a makeup artist. But he, he, was, he was legendary. He died a couple of years ago too. He was legendary. He, um, he's best known for, he did, he was Whitney Houston's personal makeup artist. He did Whitney for everything, for Waiting to Exhale, for her wedding, for all of her album covers, for ev- everything in the beginning of her career, all, you know, all her movies and stuff. Um, he had a drug problem as well. Um, but Quiet Fire would also give me work. Like, you know, if he couldn't do a job, he would pass it on to me. Um, and another, uh, you know, so I had a couple of makeup artists who would give me work. So anyway, um, what was I saying before? That's what you were saying, was that you... You also did makeup, and so they would give you work. <laughs> okay, so okay, so John called me one day, right? And now by this point, my roommate moved out. She had mm-hmm. moved out. It was it was kind of ugly. The, the whole thing was kind of yeah. Because I literally discovered that she was moving out the night before she moved out, right? So um, so I called my sister and my friends, and everybody came over, you know, whatever. So um, so one day John called me, and he says, "Hey, what you doing?" 
And I was like, oh, you know, this happened. You know, so I'm telling him what happened. He was like, well, you need to leave Jersey anyway. You don't need to be in Jersey. You need to come to New York. Come live with me. Come move in with me. And he had asked, he had propositioned me that way before. And I'm always like, no, no, no. But this day, this time, I said yes. And it was like I was sitting outside of my body looking at me like, bitch, what? <laughs> I said yes, right? So I, um, I made arrangements to move in with him. He was living on East 12th Street, right? Um, East 12th between 3rd and Lex. Perfect location. I, my job, my day job was Virgin Atlantic Airways. Uh, I worked for them for like 12, 13 years or something. Um, so that was in the village. So I could walk there from our apartment. So, um, so I moved in with him. It was, it, was, it, it was supposed to only be for a brief time because it was like a studio apartment, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved in with him, but it's all about who you know. It's all about connections. Right. And because now I'm with John, you know, I'm, John is introducing me to all of these people and it's opening up, you know, more doors for me, right? Um, I was already designing, you know, what I was doing, you know, all, you know, I, all this time I'm still designing. Actually, all this time, I mean, my life has been so colorful. I mean, I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, if I could go back and do things, I probably would do things. I probably would do things that I didn't get a chance to do, but then I wouldn't be sitting here because I probably would die, you know? But um, but I have also begun the process of working on my book. With mm-hmm. the camera. Yeah. Yeah, my book, my book is called Always a Dime. Yeah. So, um all of those stories are in there. But anyway, um, so I moved in with John and one day somebody knocks on the door and it's a lady who lived in the building and she owned, um, there, 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 there was another designer. She was, she's married to this other designer who's a big designer. He was a big designer. Um, you heard of Willie Smith? Yes. You heard of um, Patrick Kelly? Yes. So there was also Isaiah Rankin. So Isaiah was a really big designer. He had cosmopolitan covers, all covers. He had every, he had all of that, right? He had three stores, one on 7th Avenue across the street from Barney's, one in Soho, and one on 38th Street, right? So he died also early, you know, of eight, around the same time as um Halston. Yeah, about. So anyway, she was she was running his company, right? So she came to visit John. And I had my clothes on my mannequins. And she said, oh, whose who's stuff is this? And then John says, oh, this is Douglas. You don't know Douglas? You know, she's like, no. So he introduced us. So she says, oh, I'm looking for somebody to come, you know, come and work for me, you know, blah, blah, blah. I have a guy working for me, but it's not working out. He, he, he's not understanding my aesthetics. So she asked me, would I come? I said, well, I work. I work, um, you know, five days a week but I'm off on Thursdays and Fridays. I can come in on Thursdays and Fridays and work, you know, for you. So she said, okay. So we made that arrangement. I did it, which because of that increased my, um, my understanding with patterns and fit and all of that, because his, his clothes were what I wanted to be, mm-hmm. you know? So um, matter of fact, years before, year, a couple of years before that, I went to the designer who was, was that it? Yeah, I went to the designer who was designing that line and tried to get a job with him, right? But, you know, it was no, he, he, he couldn't. Anyway, but we became very good friends. So, um, 
And matter of fact, he helped me with my first book. You know, I have two books too, right? Yes. You know that? Yeah, I looked it up. <laughs> oh, okay. Look at you. Okay. So, um, so yeah. So um, I started working for Isaiah, and um, that that was short lived, but I got a lot out of it, and it really increased my understanding of because that that's a whole nother story. Oh, the, inside, you know, inside the sign room, that's a lot. But anyway, um, so I came away from that with a better understanding and my, my clothes got better, right? So now mm, I'm working, excuse me. So now I'm, um, I'm, doing, I'm doing more clothes. I'm still living in the city. And um, one of my girlfriends, Tracy, she starts working at um, Show Center, show, show Center in New York. So that's where all the film queens work, right? Danielle, Octavia, all of them, they work there. So she says, she sees my stuff and she says, um, well, you should bring your stuff up to the center. The girls would love your stuff. So I said, okay. Because at this point, I'm not really selling clothes. I'm just making clothes, right? Mm-hmm. Making a lot of stuff. So I take my stuff up to the center. So how are you getting money? Because I'm working. I, I still oh, have right. a full-time job with Virgin. Okay. Right? So Virgin, I work from seven to three in the morning. I mean, from seven in the morning to three at night, to three in the afternoon, right? Mm-hmm. Then I would come home, make dresses, and then take them to the center. The, the center would close at like, I think 12 o'clock. So I would come home, you know, get off at three, so, 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 leave about 10, go to New York, drop the stuff off, right? Okay. So, um, so I started doing that. And then I also got in a couple of stores that were in the East Village and the Village. Um, but while I was doing, so, so, so here's the thing. I'm doing that, like selling these dresses to the girls. They had a day shift and they had a night shift. I'm selling the dresses to the night shift. I never make it to the day shift because I'm working seven to three, right? Mm-hmm. So most of, the, most of the sales are from the day shift girls. They, they see the dresses from the night shift girls and they're like, oh, I want one. Oh, get me one in black. Get me one in green. Get me one in white. So now I'm getting all these orders, but I wasn't really getting the price that I really should have gotten because mm-hmm. again, m- my confidence level is not, you know, it's not through the roof. So, you know, later I, I realized, wow, when I look back at like paperwork, cause I got everything. When I look back at paperwork, I'm like, wow, that's all you was charging. You know, no wonder they was ordering two, three, four dresses. Well, were you charging back then? I, I couldn't even say it on record. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even say it, but, um, but yeah, so, so, so the, the day shift girls were buying the dresses, the night shift girls were buying the dresses. Now one, one gay pride, I'm walking down the street and I see Octavia St. Laurent and she has on my dress and she's never met me at this point, mm-hmm. but she has a couple of my dresses. Right. So, um, I say, I say, Hey Octavia. And she gives me the, oh, hey. You know, like real fab, you know. I said, I said, oh, you're wearing my dress. And she stopped. She was like, oh, you're Douglas. Oh, I you know. So then we became the best of, you know, from that point. Um, so, yeah, so that, but but the thing today, like now I have awards from GMHC and this place and that place because of those girls wearing those dresses at that time in the ballroom. Because 
they're asking me for white dresses. I don't know that it's a white category and that's what they're all wearing the dresses for because I didn't go to the balls at that time. You know, I would go blue moon, whatever, like maybe later, but I wasn't interested in that scene. So yeah, so that's very interesting because that has become a part of my legacy. Um, the inclusiveness of working with those girls because not only did I dress them for their personal use, because you know, the ballroom and their personal use, but they also walked in my fashion shows. Like I would, I would have them in my shows. So that wasn't being done then, you know? Um, yeah. So. What would you say has been the most significant moments or moments of your career? <laughs> um, wow. Wow. God has been so good to me. I, 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 I've had so many moments that, you know, when I was a little boy, and it all goes back to, you know, when I was a little boy, looking at Ebony Magazine and cutting out of, and looking at the Star Ledger, the newspaper, and reading the articles on designers and, you know, and seeing all the fashion stuff and, and holding on to that stuff. Um, there was an article that was done in Ebony Magazine at that time, and it had the 10 top Black designers. And then there was another one that had 10 top models, right? So when I sit here today and I look at that article, I still have that article. Mm -hmm. um, when I look at that article, I've met nine of those 10 and I've worked with nine of those 10. So for me, that's really, really um, important for, for, for that little boy who had that magazine. You know, that's, that's, that's a, that's a highlight. That's a big, highlight. yeah, absolutely. You know, um, but then, and then, but the other side of it is makeup, you know, doing makeup, I was uh, blessed enough to have those guys in my camp, Quiet Fire and John Kelman Greer and Audrey Smalls um, from the ground crew and, and them to and William Marshall, who also fed me work um, that I never had to, I never had to do, uh, have, have a makeup book. You know, I just got calls and got bookings. So I've worked with um, Celia Cruz. I did Celia Cruz's last video before she passed. Oh, wow. and, and, and actually, there's a behind the scene video so you can see me actually doing her makeup. Um, I did um, uh, Freddie Jackson and Najee. I worked for Iman, Iman Cosmetics, when she first uh, opened up her company, her makeup company. I went on tour. I did a 13 city tour with all the JCPenney stores teaching the, uh, the makeup, the counter people how to use the product. So that was really um, a highlight, you know, just getting to meet Iman, because Iman has always been one of my favorites. So getting to meet her face-to-face um, -face and work, work with her and her, for her to call me at home and leave a message on my answer machine to call her, <laughs> I'm like, wow. So yeah, I, I've had some great moments. Um, I, I even worked with um, um, Jennifer Holliday, um, are you, of course you're familiar with the, uh, the, the Jackson five. I didn't work with Jackson five, but like their story, um, there was, uh, what's her name? Um, like in the movie, there was, uh, the woman, did you ever see the movie? Jen, uh, um, what's her name? Ooh, Vanessa Williams played in the movie, right? She was like their, um, mm -hmm. kind of sort of, what's her name? Um, I did her makeup too. Not Vanessa, but... But the Vanessa. lady she played? Yeah. yeah which I, can't, I can't think of her name right now. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so there, there was a lot of highlights. Um, yeah. A lot of highlights. Yeah. 
for me personally. So I know um, it wasn't always positive. The industry can be a rough place sometimes. So what are some of the major challenges that you faced? And like, how were you able to get past them to kind of keep pushing, you know, as a designer, as a makeup artist and just like as yourself? Well, you really, really have to love it. You know what I mean? You have to love what you do. Um, And that is how you, you know, keep pushing ahead because in everything, there are levels, right? Mm -hmm. A group, B group, C group, you know, um, A being the top, C being, you know, the lower level. So thankfully, I'm, I'm, I'm not C. I don't consider myself C. I'm, I'm like B and beating at Q of A. But um, it's, 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 it's tough, especially, especially the way I work, because, you know, once upon a time, like in the, you know, the 70s and the 80s, when you had like Willie Smith and Lester Hyatt and Scott Barry and, um, and a host of others, you know, they had backers. A lot of them had backers, people who were paying you know, for them to do what they do. Um, they saw it as a, you know, as a business and, and they helped they help flourish those guys' careers. Well, we don't have that, but right now we do have, um, we have social media. So that helps us a great deal. You know, you can, um, you can use Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and, you know, as a part of your ad campaign, you know, it helps, you know, get your, get, get your, your feeling out there. But um, being true to what you do, you again, you have to love what you do and be true to what you do. I'm not sitting here waiting for some knight in shining, shining armor to come in the in the form of a backer and back me. Um, and you know, and I, I've talked to other designers, and they're like, "Oh, you know, there's not. We don't have it." Blah, blah, blah. But you can't sit around and complain about what you don't have. Make it happen. Do it yourself. Right continue to do it until somebody notices you and say, hey, you know what? This person has been consistent. You know, I, I, they do a show every season. I see their ads. I see their posters. Blah, blah, blah. We, can, we can jump in right here and take them to the next level. Or we can, you know, elevate them. It's not like they have to say, well, well let me see what you're doing. Because you see what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm in your face all the time, you know, on social media or whatever. You know, so... Um, I've done, you know, done editorial, done um, um, magazine layout covers, books, you know. So, you know, you have to build your own legacy. If you if you don't believe in you, how do you expect somebody else to believe in you? Right, exactly. You know? So you have to show people because people people don't know. They only they only they want what they think they want, you know. So you have to be real clear and concise. And I, I use this as an example. Um, Dorothy Dandridge, she wanted to do the Carmen Jones role, right? Mm-hmm. So she went to them and, you know, said, hey, I want to do this role, you know, and they was like, oh, we don't see you for this, Dorothy. You know, you're, you're classy, you're this, you're that, you know, this, is, this needs blah, blah, blah. But she went away, got into character, came back as, as Carmen and shoved it down their throat. And now history reflects her doing Carmen, right? So right. you have to be real clear in who it is that you are and what it is that you want um, instead of, like, you know, people people have come to me, like other people, who have said, um, oh, I want to do a line of clothes. Uh, you know, I, I want you to help me. I want you to da da Everybody wants what they want, right? And that's fine. You know, everybody has the right to want what they want. 
but I, 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 I'm, I'm always having somebody come to me saying, oh, I want to do a line of clothes because I did a plus line, right? Plus you, you know, plus you. And then after that, several plus you women that I know came to me and they wanted to do their line and they wanted me to help. But basically what you really want is the fact that I do pattern making and I do the, the draping and I, I can do the samples. So you, you need to go get yourself a sample hand or a pattern maker. I'm not those things for you. I'm a designer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's about aesthetics. I didn't like any of their aesthetics. You know, I, I didn't like, mm, whew, forgive me, Lord. I didn't like the way they personally dressed. So how am I going to design what you want me to do when, mm, you know, I'm going to continue to do what I do. And if you like it, you buy it. And basically that's how I, I, I've lived. I'm going to do what I do. If you like it, you buy it. If you don't, somebody will eventually. Yeah, that's true. So I read an article that called you one of the most important yet underexposed designers around. Do you feel like you're underrated? Um, um, <laughs> um I laugh because, um, yes, I do. Um, but again, you know, like me today sitting here talking to you, I can say, yes, I do. Me of yesteryears, the insecure me would, you know, would not agree with it. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I do. Um, but wow. Um, yeah, I guess I do. Yeah. <laughs> so has that been um, a disservice to you throughout your career? I guess being how talented you are, um, but not getting the amount of exposure or maybe opportunity that you think you deserve? No, um, because I feel, you know, I, I do, I do everything that I want to do mm-hmm. when I want to do it. I mean, of course, oftentimes there's not the financial um, aspect that would, that would allow you to do more, you know what I mean? More of the things that you want to do. Um, it has been a big, a, a big part of my heart to build my legacy, right? And what I mean by that is, like, I have a closet full. Can you see the closet? Well, you can't see the closet. No, I, I can't. Have, I, <laughs> I have a closet full of videos, literally videos of everything I've done. So it, it, it's been very important to collect everything I've done. But now you have to translate them to DVD or whatever, or get them on social media. They're not DVDs anymore. Those are passion. Look at that. <laughs> when, look, when you stepped in here, you stepped into the place that time forgot. <laughs> so, I don't even yeah. think they make DVD players anymore. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. But, see, but, um, but yeah, so, so I have all of these videos and all of these pictures and all the, I mean, people call me an archivist. People, you know, um, no, I, I don't, I don't, I'm going to continue to do what I do until I'm done. And that's the best way to look at it. So another thing that I've read about you and what you're known for is, you know, your use of jersey materials and the way that you make clothes to kind of complement or fit a woman's body. Uh, how did you develop like your signature style, so to speak? I remember when I was a young boy, everything goes back to, you know, that <laughs> my cousin 
my other cousin, my cousin Juanita. I her my aunt Ruth was her mother. My aunt Ruth was a nurse and she was deaf. And um, but my aunt Ruth was also the oldest of my mother's sisters. But I used to spend a lot of time with my aunt. And my aunt was also one of my inspirations because she painted, she um she painted, she drew, she sewed, you know, so I would go over her house, use her sewing machine. She'd teach me how to paint, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But also my, my aunt was a nurse, right? So um, in my mind as a young boy, my aunt reminded me of Julia. You, you remember the TV show Julia? With, um, no, I think that's before my time. <laughs> definitely. Definitely it is. Um, you, you're familiar with Diane Carroll, right? Yes, I love Diane Carroll. Well, Diane Carroll played Julia. Okay, now I have to look it up. <laughs> you, you most definitely have to look up Julia. Julia was one of the first, um, the first um, TV shows that had a black character. She, it was her show. It was about her. She was a nurse, and she had a son. She was a single mother, a nurse with a son, and she worked in this white doctor's office. But um, she was class act all the way, you know, all the time. But you know, um, but yes. So my aunt reminded me of her in this. And then my cousin, her daughter, reminded me, because her daughter was small, small frame, like model body. Mm-hmm. And she reminded me of Mary Tyler Moore. Sadly, that we didn't have enough black uh, role models that I could reference them at that time, you know, but that's what she reminded me of. So I remember I bought her a one-shoulder top from this, like, flea market, right? Well, it was a store called Murr's. And um, I bought her this one-shoulder top you know, just as a gift. Um, but I guess 70s, the 70s was like, because that was my, that's where I was coming from. That was my influence. You know, I watched Coffee and Shaft and um, 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 Cleopatra Jones and, you know, all of those movies were my reference points. So um, when I got older, I continued that un- unconsciously, but that is still kind of, I don't even know how, well, I kind of feel a little some kind of way when people say, oh, your clothes are so 70s or so, you know, 90, so 90s, so 70s, because I don't see a period in them, mm-hmm. but, you know, somebody else does. And, you know, you see what you see, you know, whatever. I think my things are timeless. Um, I think that they're fluid. I think that they're timeless. And um, they're easily augmented into your life and into your collection, you know, but... Um, like I said, people see what they see. I've often been, and this is not a bad thing, you know, people have said, oh, you know, you remind me of Halston, you remind me of Stephen Burroughs, you know, okay, great, but, you know, what can you do? I mean, and both of them are my heroes, you know, I love both of them, so, you know, that's great. But you want to be Douglas's. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, it's very difficult when you are working with no budget, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when you, like if you don't have what our counterparts have, like, you know, it's just me. I'm, I'm, I'm a one man team, you know? So there's no pattern maker. There's no cutter. There's no draper. There's nobody that you're handing things off to. You know what I mean? Everything starts and ends with me from the thought to the finish, you know? And when you're doing that, of course, everything takes a little bit longer to do. You know, I usually do a show in March, the last Saturday of March, um, at the Newark Public Library, downtown Newark. Um, but of course, I haven't done it for two years because of COVID. But um, I'm, I'm, in my mind, I'm working on it right now. 
physically and mentally. I'm, I'm working on the collection right now. So um, hopefully, if not March, April, you know, I'll be doing my show at the library. And hopefully I'll see you there. I'll have, that's what I was about to say. I'll have to get myself a ticket. I'm in Atlanta right now. I used to oh. live in New Jersey in oh, really? uh, 2018. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm back in Atlanta now. But definitely put that on my calendar. Is, is that what, where are you from, Jersey or Atlanta? I'm actually originally from New York, okay. um, but I've lived a good bit of my life in Atlanta. And then I lived a little bit in Jersey when I went to grad school. So I went okay. to Rutgers. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm, we're, uh, where's, well, we were in um, Atlanta 2020, February 2020. Seems so long ago. <laughs> I know, right? Right? And, um, and actually, we're, we're going to go back um, as soon as everything, whatever, you know. So, yes, my, my girlfriend Tracy, she just recently had a, um, somebody called her about, you know, us coming down. And, you know, and that, that's a whole other part. Like, I have to, I have to say, what has what has helped me? Well, you know, besides God, you know, keeping his just keeping me embraced um, is people like people like Lucilena Sierra and Tracy Africa and um, Sanaya Braxton, um, and the list is small. But those few girls, well, I don't want to forget anybody because you know how people. <laughs> But those three, they single-handedly keep me out front, you know, by, by buying and wearing my clothes and, you know, and to, to, to their important events, you know. Um, Luz Elena Sierra is, you know, the pageant, the pageant, she's big in the pageant world, you know, um, from um, USA to um, all of them. I, I can't even name, you know, all of the pageants. And she's, you know, pulled me along. I've even traveled with her. You know, we went to uh, Thailand. We went to um, Louisiana. We went to San Francisco, you know, and I worked with her, you know, in, in uh, as an assistant, uh, wardrobe assistant. So, you know, because, um, you know, when you work for yourself, you have to wear many hats. Yeah. Makeup or wardrobe assistant. Yeah, everything. You know, so, Yeah. And but you know, thankfully, you know, she reaches out for me for that. And and then Tracy, you know, everything that Tracy does, because uh, you know, Tracy, do you know Tracy's history or how popular she is? Um, I'm I know who she is, but I'm not aware of her history. Oh wow. Well, you know, she's she's hailed as being the first transgender model. Yes, I know that part. History. So, you know, like she's done the cover of Out Magazine. She's done the cover of um, Bazaar. She's done, the, you know, all, all of these different, you know, things. And each time she's wearing my clothes. So each each event or whatever, she's wearing my clothes. So that in itself has helped to push me and pull me along and boost me. And, you know, that kind of belief you can't even buy, you know. So, yeah. So previously you talked a lot about building your legacy and, you know, that's why you keep everything. What is it that you want people to remember about Douglas says? Okay. Let me just say this too. <laughs> um, I think at, at one point I tried, I had a, a museum for like five minutes, right? <laughs> it was, it was called extensions. This was in, uh, 97, right? I did two exhibits, right? Two big exhibits. I did a, a 
Black designer exhibit, new, basically New Jersey-based designers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and it's also on, on YouTube, the, the exhibit. And then I also did a photographer exhibit, uh, Karen McDonald, who's um, an awesome designer, you know, here from Jersey. And her brother, Jamie McDonald, who was... He, he was right up there with uh, Stephen Burroughs and Mester Hired in them, you know, in that time frame. Uh, his name is Jamie McDonald. And their cousin is um, Lauren Hill. So, you know, that's just a little history about that. But um, so, you know, I, I, it's very important for all of us to collectively tell our stories. It's very important that each of the designers that existed before me and, and I mean, I know it's not possible at this point, but it would be awesome if they had books on mm-hmm. their life or somebody did a book covering them. It's still possible. So that, you know, so that the, the generation is, the generations that come after me can find out about those people. And they inspired me, you know, working with Audrey Smalls of the ground crew, I learned a lot. You know, I, I learned, I learned, God, I learned a lot. Um, so, you know, um, with with most of the designers, like thankfully now there's a book on Willie Smith that just came out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, John Haggins has a book. Stephen really, Brown. I didn't know that. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, um, John Haggins is a a tough one to find information on. Really? Uh, yeah. No. So. He, I mean, you know, he's on Facebook. Yeah, so, yeah, he is very active on Facebook, but in terms of just any, something that's written down somewhere, I didn't realize he had a book, so I will go and check oh, that out. But no, on, his, like, his articles. Book. Oh, no, his book has all that stuff in it. Mm-hmm. So, I'm yeah. going to get that. John Haggins has a book. Stephen Burroughs has a book, um, which was also with the museum that came out. Um but there's no book on Patrick. There's no book. Well, the museum that's going to the museum. Is, I think a book on Patrick is coming. Yeah, something is coming. Yeah, something is coming. But Willie Smith, you know, all, I mean, Scott Barry. Um, I mean, it's, 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 you know, on Facebook, I have an album, which is called Black, Black and Latino Designers and Their Contribution to Fashion. Did you see that? No, I didn't. But I'm going to go and I'm going to share it. Okay. So, yeah, um, I mean, but again, that's really important. And as I sit back and I watch like people like Bob Henry, who I said was an inspiration to me, and Ronald Petty, and I know what they contributed to fashion. Um, but when they're gone, you know, once they die, everything dies with them. Right. There needs to be a place that we can donate our, our goods when, you know, when we, when we know the time is near or when we just want to get rid of something. You know, there needs to be a brick and mortar that we can say, hey, you know, boom. But not just not just um, not just superstar designers. You know what I mean? Because everybody has contributed some ingredients to the pot. You know, like I've just ran off several things that I've done or people that I've worked with. And for me, that's you know, that's all that's important stuff, you know, um, so yeah, we, I don't think it has to wait until you're an international designer to you're considered to be, you know, um, important. I absolutely agree. The contribution, you know, because um, everybody, everybody's, everybody's making this cake. Our history, you know, because where we're coming in from, so much has been lost or not or not um, written down or you know whatever. Because when we're in the midst of doing what we're doing, you know. Um, 
building our legacies. We're quickly going on to the next thing. We don't even have time to look back at what we just completed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because again, it, nine times out of 10, like me, it's only me. So I, I can't really linger. I got to go to the next thing because I got to pay the rent, you know? Um, but yeah, but it, it's really important that um, in the end, they're play- I I have, like, <laughs> I, like I said, I, I, collect, I collect a lot of stuff and I don't even know why. In my mind, I consider myself, see, this is how you know that I'm no longer as insecure as I was before. Because in my mind, I consider myself a baby Andy Warhol. And I don't ask myself questions as to why I do whatever it is I do. I just follow the spirit, right? So I have, um, I fell in love with my answering machine in 84, 85 or something like that. So I bought bought my first answering machine and, you know, so once I got the answering machine, I would um, save messages, right? I would transfer messages from the tape of the machine onto a blank tape. Right. Mm-hmm. So eventually I just got like all these messages. So I literally can play for you Iman's voice when she called me that first time and, and told me to call her. I can play for you uh, Peggy Dillard's voice when she called me, you know, Tookie Smith, you know, all of these people who called me who I deemed important and and also family. Like so my mother passed in 2006, but I can still play messages of her calling me, you know, so. And I know I don't know what I'm gonna do with those conversations, you know. But um, and there's also there's also a video like a on YouTube. I did this thing where um, once I started posting things on Facebook, you know, everything got away from me. You know, people started using your pictures that you're posting that you're sharing and stuff, and 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 they're not giving you any credit, any name credit, you know. Yeah. So I made a, a video with the pictures, and I also used the voices from my answer machine. So you you would hear Danielle Revlon, you would see her and you'd hear her calling me. Like like you ever you ever remember Mary Mary J. Blige's um what's the four one one? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then that song go, Mary, 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 pick up, pick up, pick up. So it's kind of like that. The video is kind of the video's like that. So it's all these girls calling me saying, Douglas, Douglas, pick up, call me, yeah, nah, 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 whatever they say. So it's like that. But it's showing you all my dresses like through that time period. I think that's amazing. Not enough um, designers or just black figures in general preserve their own work. So when it comes time to like trying to find out more about them, research their history, uh, you know, those things aren't there. And you kind of are left wishing that, you know, you knew the stories or you could find this information. So I think that's amazing. And that's one of the reasons why I started my podcast to be able to kind of gather all of this information about all these different people in a place for a starting point for people who want to know more and a way to preserve our history throughout the years. Yeah, that's that's awesome. It's it's like like Quiet Fire, the makeup artist. Mm-hmm. When, when I did my first book, I was talking to him on the phone. I was telling him about it, right? And he says, he says, um, he says, I know. He said, when I go, you are the person that I want to have my stuff. I, I know you know what to do with it, right? Not even a week later, he died. And I said to him, when he said that, I said, well, you need to make arrangements. You need to tell whoever is in charge of whatever, mm-hmm. you know, to make that happen. That, that didn't happen. But, um, but again, all of these people, they passed, 
and their family is overwhelmed with what they have, with the yeah. stuff they collected. Because for the most part, we're almost like aliens. You know, the artists, and the, you know, the designer, the makeup artist. The, you know, your family doesn't really understand yeah, that's true. You what are. you do or what? <laughs> right, you're special. You're, you're special, you know? So, you know, they see, like, my cousin, my cousin Juanita, the one who mm-hmm. reminded me of, you know, Mary Tyler Moore. When she passed, my mother was still here. My mother said, that was my mother's first niece, right? So my mother said, my mother was in the hospital at the time, and she, she told her kids, me, my sisters, to go to Juanita's house and, you know, take care of, you know, get rid of stuff or do whatever. When we walked in that house, now, sad thing is, I had not been to Anita's house where she lived, like, ever. Not that apartment, you know? Once her mother died, you know, she moved around a bit, you know? She was she was really at a loss once her mother died because she was an only child, and she was spoiled, you know? But um, she was a grown woman when she passed, when both of them passed, but um, she really, I don't even think she knew how to cook, you know, like anything. Her mother did everything for her. But anyway, um, so we go to the house and we're, I'm amazed at what I see, you know, the conditions that she was living in. And I'm like, you know, and there was so much stuff. Some, like her mother had passed, my uncle had passed, who was her mother's brother, my uncle. Um, so all of their stuff, right, was there. So we had to sort through all of this stuff. We, we couldn't, you know, we really couldn't. But um, yeah, I, I say that to say, again, about a legacy, if you have some place that you can pass this stuff on to, you know, a museum and, you know, um, but it, there needs to be funding, there needs to be a place, there needs to be brick and mortar, there needs to be, you know, a place. And the sad thing too, with, with these, um, like recently, several several people that I know got flooded, you know, because of, you know, the, the rainstorms that we had. Mm-hmm. I talked to a girlfriend of mine the other day and she, she was telling me she had Vogue magazines from the 70s. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff was ruined, you know, she just threw it out. She was like, she just brought, telling me all the magazines and stuff that she had and, you know, and it was all ruined. But again, you know, there needs to be a proper place for this stuff to be. Um, it's just like, you know, with slavery, you're like, where is he going? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, everything that we did or we contributed back in that time period that we were not um, given the credit for, you know what I mean? Um, like, you know, like black women were making the clothes for those white women. Yeah. Before. So that means you were a designer. Mm-hmm. Right? You were a seamstress, you were a designer, you were, you know, but you weren't given that credit. So the history is vast. It goes back that far, you know, and um, our history is lost. It's just like with music, with jazz and, you know, um, the, the American songbook. They did not want um, people like Nat King Cole to sing that music, right? Um, so it, it's, it's systematic racism, you know. But anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> Well, I just have one final question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what's next? Like, what are you looking to forward to accomplishing next? Wow. Um, it's, it's all for me. It's all about elevation. You know, it's, it's just trying to get to the next level and um, and be prepared when I get there. You know, I, I really hope that God has um, some amazing 
things that I'm not even expecting available, you know, around the corner. Um, and I say that because you never know what's around the corner. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, just elevation. I just want to be elevated. I want to go to the next level, higher level. I want to, I, I want to work smarter and not harder. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want to have to wear less hats. Um, and what I, what I mean by that is, you know, pattern maker, sample maker. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, I want to have somebody in that position who can do that besides me because you're, you're limited to what you can do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, if, if you, if you can't, if you can't do what you think, right? Meaning if I think of a dress, but I don't know how to technically do it pattern making wise or sample hand wise, then it doesn't get done, right? But if I have a professional in, in land, like, you know, a sample hand or a pattern maker, and I can sketch whatever craziness is in my head and pass it off to them, then it gets done, right? So you can only do what you can do. And that's it, guys. Thanks again for tuning into another episode of Black Fashion History. If you love what you heard, and I know that you did, make sure to follow us on all podcasting platforms and on social media at Black Fashion History Podcast. You can also find us on our website at www.blackfashionhistory.com. But of course, above all else, tune again next week for another Black Fashion History installment. Bye-bye.